everybody. Welcome to March 4th episode. I think we're in the fourth episode. I've got my friend Sue Eldridge with me. And um, this is our pre, um, this is our question for today. And that is, what are you grateful for? Or who are you grateful for? Um, this Today, I'm actually grateful for um, the people around me, the family that I have and the friends I have. And um, even like, um, I love the, the team that works at the church. They work so hard to uh, put everything together. They take care of so many people. So I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Rachel, Stephen, and Eben. They're the ones I'm grateful for today. They are amazing. So I want to give a shout out um, um, to my friends. You know, they are they work behind the scenes. So thank you so much to our team. Grateful for family, definitely. So um, that's there. I'm grateful for my friend Sue, who's going to come on soon. So Rachel has found some jokes for me. So if you have a problem with these jokes, it's Rachel that you need to um, you need to speak to. But this is about uh, letters to God that from children. So uh, first one is this: Dear God, did you mean for the giraffe to look like that, or was it an accident? Now I think Rachel put this because I consider myself like like a giraffe. Like I feel like I'm really tall and I want to look above everybody, but Rachel just does not agree with me. So I think that's, that's what I think. I'm just saying, this is the next joke. Um, it's dear God, there isn't school in heaven. Is there Jack? Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not have killed each other if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother, Larry. Dear God, my turtle died. Is she there with you? If she is, she likes lettuce. This is, I like this one. Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in my family and I can never do it, Nancy. So this is my, uh, these are my uh, jokes for today. So thank you, Rachel, for that. Um, if you want to send jokes, you can send it into info at Capstone. That's where we'll get them. I'm just telling you right now. Um, news from this week. I got my COVID vaccine shot like yesterday night, yesterday evening. And um, it was funny. It was quite a coincidence because yesterday morning um, I had a, a call with um, a lot of pastors and um, leaders uh, in the church community. Uh, we had a meeting with a faith minister. Um, he's uh, Lord Greenlee. Green, I'm not sure how to pronounce. He's a minister of state for housing and he's also the minister of state for faith. And um, in, we were having this talk about how uh, people trust uh, the, the churches, especially with all the things that people are saying about the COVID vaccine. And so um, to have pop up um, vac vaccine clinics at churches and so that the community can come in. It was quite an interesting conversation that we had, um, how um, places of worship like churches and the government can work together, especially in terms of COVID recovery. A uh, couple of things that was highlighted was the fact that um, certain communities are hesitant to get the vaccine. Certain communities are first in the line to get the vaccine. Another thing that they were talking about is when the vaccine reaches the young, will the young, the youth of the nation take take the vaccine? So I think um, this is a couple of things that uh, we can all discuss. If you, I mean, um, and if you have any ideas, you know, that uh, you think can improve the way the rollout of the vaccine or COVID recovery can, um, looks like, text us, email us, send a message. So, you know, we can pass it on to teams that are working with the government to help improve. 
So um, that is that um, that couple of things um, um, we're looking at this week is um, so those of you asking me how I feel post COVID um, uh, the vaccine um, I had, you know, I, I uh, there's a little bit of fever, a little bit of pain, but uh, praise God that um, God is the healer. The key scripture I want to look at today before we go into is Ezekiel eleven sixteen. I was praying for um, this other church community yesterday, and this was a scripture that I got in my spirit. And there, therefore, thus says the Lord God, although I've cast them far off among the Gentiles, and although I've scattered them among the countries, yet I will be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Now, this is, you're coming from, this is Ezekiel 11, you're coming from Ezekiel 10, where you find that the, the prophets are saying that the glory of the Lord is going to leave the temple. And the people in Jerusalem, you know, they, they weren't happy about it. But the prophets were saying, change is coming. But whatever change is coming, this is what God is saying. He says, even though I've, that they are scattered, I will still be a sanctuary for them. And this is what I feel. This is what um, I want to really focus on, that we have to understand that God is able to sustain his people wherever they are. You know, and that's um, that's what I just want to say. God is able to sustain you. He is your sanctuary. You know, when you worship God, you are meeting with God. And that's what um, that's that's what I'm saying. And I, I want you to have confidence in a God who turns up. So that's my key scripture for today. I'm going to introduce my friend Sue. She's amazing. She and her husband, Tim, they are a very unique apostolic couple. Um, they they carry so much so much depth and so much integrity in what they do. Um, I met them through actually my spiritual dad, George and Banoff. Um, they are the leaders of Presence International Ministries. They have the European Leaders Alliance. They are amazing. They're really apostolic leaders to this nation. And um, Sue has this anointing to be a spiritual mom. So I want to invite um, Sue. Uh, welcome, Sue. Thank you so Hi. much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to see you, gorgeous woman. Oh, thank you. You are looking good. Well, I try. <laughs> my hair desperately needs a hairdresser. I had a message from my hairdresser yesterday saying, don't worry, it won't be long. I'm saying, thank you. I, I can't. Um, I can't really tell Sue. I'm, no, no. I'm just, I, I mean, I'm going to um, jump straight into a question okay. I have. Okay. You posted something today, which um, which we were having a team discussion. Okay. And um, um, and this kind of, this is, uh, you posted Dr. Susan David's uh, quote, and it says, toxic positivity is forced, false positivity. It may sound innocuous on the surface, but when you share something difficult with someone and they insist that you turn it into a positive, what they're really saying is my comfort is more important than your reality. Powerful, isn't it? That is powerful. So um, I would like to hear your thoughts on that, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, deep end. <laughs> well, I, 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 I was reading out to Tim, my husband, I was going, oh, isn't this good? And he goes... I'm not sure I agree with that, Sue. And I said, why? And I think it's, it's, it's interesting. I suppose it depends very much on who you're talking to. But I think as Christians, as super, supernatural believers, we believe that mountains are moved. We believe that sickness is healed. We believe the dead, dead are raised. 
absolutely. But somewhere, I think in in some thinking, it's it's negated pain. It's negated. Is that the right word? Negated. Negated. It's cancelled out in people's minds that you can still be sick having been prayed for. That you can still be in debt having you know been prayed for. And 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 we almost feel that it's the spiritual, the super spiritual answer. But actually, you know, Jesus wept with with um martha and mary didn't they he wept he knew he was going to raise lazarus from the dead but he wept with them because he in that moment he came down he empathized and he felt their pain and i think sometimes we forget that and we're so busy trying to give them the answer and the bible says this you shouldn't feel like this and and that whole thing that where, where she goes on to say what we're doing is we're saying our discomfort because the mystery of god you know i don't think people particularly want to talk about the mystery so why after the church has fasted for 28 days for your healing are you not healed well i don't know the answer so let's not talk about it anymore no let's talk about it because the world will be asking us we've got to embrace the mystery am i talking too much i i'm passionate because the reality is i am so sorry that you're not healed yet. I am so sorry you're still in pain or I'm so sorry. That must be so tough for you. What can I do? How can I pray? And then maybe somewhere in the conversation you you can bring or if God drops something in your heart, but yeah, I think empathy, that getting along down with somebody where they're at is so important. I think we don't have a language, Sue, sometimes um for how to deal with uh, not fast food solutions, you know, like where we're not getting instant solutions. And um, we want to just hide, put it under the rug. And people sometimes feel like um, they, once they've, they've been prayed for and they come back and they're still not healed, that they can't be a part of the community because their faith has failed them, you know. So I, there, I think there's two aspects of it. One is how do we as people who are struggling, okay, with not getting a breakthrough, how do we react, you know? And the second aspect is how do we as friends and family around those who are struggling, how do we empathize yeah. better, yeah. you know? You asking me? Oh, thanks. You. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's true, and I think we do have to go on a learning curve. I think, you know, for me, it took me quite a long time to be able to say, "I don't know. I, I don't know why you're not healed. I don't know why you're still in poverty, having done all the things. I just don't know." But what I do know. Is that God's still on his throne, that his word is still true. He's still the healer, even if you die. No, I wouldn't say that to them. But, you know, even if you die, that doesn't change my God from being the healer. And, and, we, and I think it's important that we can say, I don't know. I don't know, but my life, I'm going to love on you right now. I don't know. Why should we not be able to say, I don't know? The Bible says, doesn't it, that, that we cannot comprehend his ways. Why with our human minds do we think we should have all the answers? We don't. So I think we love, we stand with. 
I think it is hard. I mean, I remember when my daughter was sick and um, people would ask me, you know, how's your daughter? So for the first few months, I'd be really honest. And then I kept thinking, I wonder if they really want to know or, <laughs> or whether they're just being polite. And so I would gauge it. Not everybody got the full, well, let me tell you what happened on Monday and Tuesday. But, you know, I gauged it, but I couldn't fudge it. If you're asking me how my daughter is, I'm saying she's really ill right now. But I'm still believing he's the healer or, you know, we've got I think we've all got to be honest. We've got to stop judging people for not being where they you think they should be in the, you know, the tick box of getting your healing today. You know, we've got to we've just got to love and we've got to say, I don't have all the answers. But um, we have to trust. I think one of the things, I mean, for me, I, I do say this, that when I came to the Lord initially, like I thought Jesus was going to be a bridge over troubled waters. But later on, I, I, I understood that he's going to hold my hand and allow me to cross over, you know, and that's that was what surprised me. Like, I thought, like, I just wanted like a photoshopped Christianity, you know, where there are no wrinkles and there are no, um, you know, and. But then when I started understanding my identity yeah. like uh, in Christ, so like even like I knew that if whether I got an F in in maths or whether I got an A in maths, I still remained my father's daughter. Yeah. You know, so uh, performance, any of the things I did, none of that affected uh, mm -hmm. my worth because I am a daughter by birth. Mom. And you say, you know, um, in your bio, I like your set sentence. You says, my life changed radically when I started to believe what my father got really thought and spoke about me and that he was good all the time. You know, I'd love to hear how knowing Father God and knowing your identity changed perspective for you. Um, yeah, Preeti, you know, when you say when I, I say, or I write it down, oh my goodness, it changed everything. I'm so not, I mean, you know, I, I can exaggerate, not as much as Tim, but I can exaggerate, but that is no exaggeration. Even Tim will say, you are a completely different person to I was before. Um, I mean, I was saved at eight, so I mean, I knew Jesus, but I had no understanding of the father and what he really thought about me, you know? Um, and I'm sure I was taught it. I'm not knocking anybody, but you know, my eyes were completely closed to it. And and I had no idea. I, I struggled to fit in anywhere. I struggled to fit in in church. I struggled to fit in in the world. I, I didn't fit in in my marriage. I didn't really fit in with my kids. I just didn't fit in anywhere. And it wasn't until I mean, I think it was a, a, a process. That whole God is good all the time. Well, that was a revelation to me because that was not my understanding. I, I felt God was, you know, was the punisher. He was the judge. He was the jury. I didn't have any relationship with him. I went to him and, and let, if I had a really big issue or I felt I'd done something really wrong. Other than that, he was way off there and it was me and Jesus and Holy Spirit. And um, yeah, and and so I just we just had a conference, and somebody introduced me 
to the father in the in the um, prodigal son story, and it was Mark Stibby, and he just went through the reality of of that father in those times, what that dad actually did, and how that dad actually humiliated himself to cover the shame of his son, and he talked all like that, and suddenly it was like. Um, scales were coming off my eyes and I can remember after hearing that whole preach driving in my car I was a rep and I was driving and I can remember saying to God if that is who you really are then I'm gonna have to change what I believe about me because if that's who you really are then I'm gonna have to start believing what the Bible says you think about me and and so that revelation of the father's love made me almost turn it round and go, if that's who he is, then maybe I'm not as rubbish as I think I am. Maybe when he says he planned me before the beginning of the universe, maybe that's true, you know, and and, um, and it, it changed everything. And then, so I was on this journey and then I went to a conference in America and I was stood in the line for a coffee and a lady turned round and she said, oh, I saw you last night in the conference. I saw you in worship and God gave me a download for you. Can I share it with you? And I'm like, this was all quite new to me. Then I went, oh, yes, yes, thank you. I never thought to get my phone out or anything. And she just gave me this prophetic word about, you know, you said it. You're going to be a mother in your nation and God's going to raise you up and you're going to decide. You know, And I can't really remember much else about it, to be fair. She got her coffee and went away. And I heard this, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was as clear as day. It was my dad speaking to me. And he said, now, Sue, you choose. You can either believe what I say about you or you can continue to wallow in self-pity and self-sabotage for the rest of your life. Now, what's it to be? And I remember I made a choice when I'm going to start believing what you say about me. And Preeti, everything changed. Because when you start believing you're worthy, then you have nothing to prove. Coming on here, I have nothing to prove to you, to the people watching. I don't have to be as spiritual as this or be as eloquent as that. Comparison goes out the window. Self-promotion just disappears because my dad validates me. He sings over me, you know. Sorry, I'm passionate about it because it changes everything. And I didn't have hands laid on me. I didn't fall on the floor and have an encounter. I just heard a truth. And that truth was so powerful. And, I, and, and the Bible says, doesn't it? The truth will set you free. You do not. I love encounters. I love what the Holy Spirit does. But you know what? The Bible is full of change everything moments. And that understanding how treasured I am by the King of Kings changed everything for me. So I, I the truth sets us free, you know, that, and I feel two things I was thinking about as you were speaking is sometimes we don't pursue the truth, you know, and yeah. you, you, you went for a conference, you heard, but then you actually looked at it and looked at it into your life. And you were faced with a choice of whether you believe the truth or not. And it was when you believe the truth that the truth set you free, you know. And um, sometimes I feel like right now 
it, there is a sense of itching years where people want to hear what is fad. People want to hear what is um, sounds like really cool, you know, at the season. But the the truth of the Bible, you know, as we are meditating on it, I I really think that it says it's free. And one thing, I mean, I love about you is that when I'm hanging around with you as a minister, Sue, okay, you are not competitive. You, uh, I can be me with you, you know, and that, you know, there's, you, you allow people around you and that's where I, you allow people around you to be themselves because you found your identity. Mm -hmm. you know? And um, so like, I really want to appreciate and thank you for that. I know um, that's something, but um, you also spoke, you speak about something and, um, and that is, you speak about shame, uh -huh. you know, and um, see, I made, um, I, I'm like, you all know, I'm pastor at Capstone Church. One day I was on a Sunday morning, you know, people were just coming in late for Sunday service too. And I said, at that point, I said, um, you know, like if we don't honor God, it's kind of shame on us. Okay. Because my usage of the word shame is different from um, maybe the way it's perceived in the UK and um, you know, it's a different usage. Anyway, somebody called me that day and they said, I'm really upset that you use the word shame. And they actually left the church. <laughs> I did apologize because I said I didn't mean it that way, but they did leave. But um, but so like, I just want to ask, like, because I think they were struggling with shame and I didn't have the language for it to understand it. So can you kind of expand, speak to people who are struggling with identity, issues of self-doubt, shame and stuff like that? Yeah, just an easy subject there, Preeti. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I think? Um, I think shame is so painful. It's so debilitating. It it will it's a blockage to ever being in the fullness of who you were made to be it's um it will isolate you because if you are in shame then connection and true relationships just aren't possible because you can't bear for them to see in and 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 you know, the other thing shame is even though it's all those things and it's so real and painful it's actually a huge big lie if we are born again, if we're saved, shame is a complete lie. Because John um, 3, verse 17, we hear Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it. If Jesus didn't come to condemn and bring shame, then why on earth are we carrying it? It's not ours. In, in Romans 8, verse 1, it says, so now, this is the Passion Translation, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Christ. The case is closed. You know what? It's Shame is one of the devil's sneakiest tools because all he has to do is throw shame in and then he can leave you alone because you will just go into complete self-sabotage. And, and it is very powerful um, and sometimes there's an element of truth in it. You know, there's something you didn't do. But you know what? If you confess your sin if or, or whatever it is, it might be something that was done to you. It might be something you did. It's real. But you know what? When Jesus died and rose again, it was enough for your shame. Your, your thing that's brought you shame was not the one thing that just wasn't enough for Jesus to overcome. 
And when he died, when you got saved, he put a cloak of righteousness around you. And so when he looks at you, he just sees righteousness. The Bible says he chooses to remember our sin no more once we confess it. So we're saying, oh, God, I did this or, oh, God, this happened to me. And he's going, what? Sorry. Sorry. I, I chose to forget that. I don't know what you're talking about. Which, you know, that's a, I know it's simplistic, but that's actually what's going on. And, and then and then we've got Brenny Brown, who is a researcher in PhD researcher in the States. And she's done a whole study on shame. And, and she said that shame um, needs secrecy. It's shame needs darkness and secrecy to thrive. And um, so if anybody, if there is anybody listening that struggles with shame, I would say find somebody you trust and bring it out into the open. Because, you know, while it's hidden and dark and you're not telling anybody, the Bible, the, the Bible, the devil just breathes on it and it grows and it grows and it grows. And suddenly it's this huge thing. And yet when you just bring it out into the light, somebody will say, well, that's okay. Let's deal with that right now. Or, you know, what? and bring and bring some truth. The truth will set you free. But it's, but it is, it's something that we, I feel very sad as Christians if we're carrying shame because it's already been paid for. I think that's the hardest thing. It's already been paid for. Jesus died to take your shame. He actually carried your shame. One of the things that I'm sure was the most agonizing for him, not only our pain, but he took our shame. And for him who'd never experienced shame, it must be awful. So why? Are we still carrying it around? But wow. so, but, I mean, I've been a Christian. I mean, someone will be saying, I've been a Christian for 20 years or 20 months or whatever it is. And then I went and did something. I mean, I chose and I did something. Now, because even after knowing the truth, I went and did, I yeah. sinned, I did that. So how do I overcome that sense of failure and that sense of shame? Because it was, you know, like the cross was once, you know, this is things that people struggle with. Yeah. Well, all I do is I think of Judas. He'd been with Jesus for three years. He'd been where we all wanted to be, you know, right next to Jesus for three years. Peter, right next to Jesus for three years. Jesus even said to Peter, today you're going to disown me. Never! I'll never do that! And he did it. So I get it. Oh, my goodness. I've done things. I've said things. As a, I, got, I saved eight. I hadn't really done much sinning before I was eight. <laughs> I understand that. But is is what Jesus did big enough? I think I, that's the only thing I know what to do. You haven't done the one thing that is too big. If Jesus oh. went out of his way to show Peter how much he forgave him, which he did, he gave him another chance and he'd and he'd warned Peter, how much more would he do that for you and for me? His grace, you can never outrun his grace. I am not a hyper grace person, but I believe that Jesus' grace is hyper. You know, it's mega. It doesn't matter what you've done. And yes, there might be things you need to walk through. There might be people you need to go. You might need to clear up your mess. Of course. But you know what? I mean, my, oh my goodness, two of my best friends are Mark and Sherrod Stibby. 
and um you know if you know, go into it but if you know they messed up their lives big time they blew their lives up they were in public ministry he was and he blew his life up but you know what my god my dad is so gracious and so forgiving and he has just loved on them they had to deal with their stuff they had to repent they had to get things sorted but you know what it's a bit like he wrote this book and um and used the japanese kintsugui i probably haven't for anybody japanese that's listening will think that's terrible but you know how the pots that are broken and do you know what i'm talking about yes i've been i have do you see the candle it's oh, yeah, I call it kintsugi. Oh, kintsugi, there you go. But you know, if the Japanese worked out that something that's broken and put together with gold can look more beautiful, then I'm sorry, God knows exactly what he's doing. And I'm more beautiful having been broken and being put together by grace and love and forgiveness than I ever was before. And if you're listening, you can be too. You can be more beautiful than you ever were before. That's grace. I I um I love the kintsugi pot. It came into like I've been studying into it. I uh you know really because after it's broken and put back together, it has more value. Exactly. It it has more value and uh, than before it was broken. You know, and I um I love the example you used to of both. See Peter and uh, Judas, they both let Jesus down, you know, yeah. but one came back and the one other had shame. Yeah. One had shame and he died. So um, Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he says this, he says, godly sorrow leads to repentance, you know, and um, earthly sorrow actually leads to death. Yeah. So and I, I would say that it's guilt, it's shame. Um, and, uh, Especially like it, I think it affects people's minds. And um, one of the things that I used to do when I initially started was every time the enemy reminds you of your past, remind him of his future because he's condemned. I'm not. <laughs> good one. It's a good you know? one. And you the other thing, Preeti, that um, sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to say because Brenny Brown, when she talked, she's talked about shame a lot, and um, her definition of the difference between guilt and shame and she will say that um, say you, um, I cheated on a test so guilt would say oh my goodness I cheated on that test I I really don't agree with cheating cheating is wrong and that's not who I am shame would say oh my goodness I cheated on that test I'm a cheater I'm a liar I'm a fake and so shame is when you take on the identity of what you did or what happened to you guilt is oh my goodness i did something wrong shame is i am wrong and you know i'm a sinner i'm a you know whatever so that's you know if you take it on as your identity doing something wrong no that was wrong and that is not who i am shame is oh my goodness i'm a liar i'm a cheat i'm a and that's quite a good way of working it out i yeah i heard uh failure is an event failure is not a person ha that's true you know and the wise man falls seven times he gets up seven times um so i have as we're coming to an end 
of this um i can listen to you because you 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 do i love what you carry so i can't say it enough what is the lord speaking to at this current season really like um other than about flory the dog that you the puppy you have um you know which is yeah. a blessing what do you I, think the lord speaking i'm so excited about this season actually i'm I'm so excited for the church, the, the, the kingdom of God. I feel that um, that this whole pandemic has been a shaking. I've heard the word reset, and I get that word, but I don't think we're going back to anything. I think um, what, we're, what we're going forward into is going to be so radical and so new. I don't know if you've heard of somebody called Bob Mumford, but um, he's an American. He's been on the on the uh, uh, charismatic scene since I was a kid. And he wrote a paper. I would recommend anybody to get it. I don't know what it's called. I haven't got it with me. But it's very interesting of what he sees. So it's Bob Mumford. And he's, uh, yeah, that's not very helpful. But anyway, anyway, so I'm excited. That's the bottom line. I'm excited. I feel that um, Bill Johnson for years has said, what we know may be stopping us from what we need to know. And I think this season is going to be very much like that. I think there are going to be some things that in, in our mind is, this is church, this is what church looks like. And we're going to find that maybe that's not right for the for the coming. It's not that it was wrong, but it's not right. And um, just finally, the other thing I'm, I I feel passionately about, I, I've, just, I've just got given for Christmas Genesis in the Passion Translation. And so I'm reading through that. And um, and I believe in this next season, we need to move from Abraham, Abrams to Abrahams. And Abraham meant, uh, Abraham, the meaning of that word was um, exalted father. And Abraham is father of multitudes. And I think, you know, we've had a season where we've had exalted fathers. We've had platform. We've had celebrities. But now we need to go, we're going into a season where the fathers and the mothers are multiplying themselves in others, that, that we're coming away from the platform to the body ministry where we're not celebrating ministers, but we're all ministers. We're imparting, we're discipling, we're multiplying ourselves. I mean, I'm so excited. I, I'm so excited for this next season. That's so good. I, I, I think there is a call that we have to understand. It's not about the pulpit or the platform. It's about the person. It's so know. good. Um, there's a comment here. Stephen Selby has said, Sue means graceful lily. Eldritch <laughs> means godly. You know, so you may stumble and fall, but you are always my godly, graceful lily. I love that. <laughs> love it. Us by shame, Jesus calls us by your name. Thank you for that, Stephen. That's really nice. Um, Chantal is saying a lot of young people that she works with in the prisons carry shame, you know, and um, you know, we just want to pray for those. Sue, if you could just pray for those um who are watching and those um if you if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Oh, Father God, Jesus, I thank you for what you did. I thank you for the sacrifice that you made. And you took, you said you took our sin and our shame and you took it down to hell and you left it there. Father, I thank you 
Jesus, I thank you. And I just pray for every single person listening that may be dealing with shame or carrying shame. And first of all, I just want to say to you, I'm so sorry, because I know how painful, how debilitating that is. But I have got to tell you that there is an answer. There is a man who took your shame. And what you need to do right now is you just need to hand it over to him. You just need to give Jesus that shame. Give it all to him. It's not yours because he's already paid the price for it. And you just need to receive the fullness of what he did on Calvary. You need to, to understand that you've already been given the robe of righteousness. That when God looks at you, he sees you clean and righteous if you know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, oh my goodness. Right now, he's just waiting with his arms wide open to receive you, to love on you, to forgive you. Shame is not yours. It never, ever was. It's a lie from the enemy to stop you from living your full life, from being the amazing creation you were predestined to be. So I just pray for you, whether you know Jesus yet or you don't, just come and receive all that he has for you. Ditch shame. Wear the cloak of righteousness and, and run into the destiny that he has for you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me, Sue. Love you. Um, Thank you for having me. Yes, and um, I think you've got your website, Presence Ministries International. I, um, and SueAldridge.com or something.org. It's a good one. It's a You're good one for me. And so what we'll do is um, in the post, we'll put the Bob Mumford. Um, we'll put it um, later. So we'll get it from you. Thank you so much for joining us. Can we give a big shout out to Sue? Thank you, Sue. And to all those who are watching, thank you so much for watching. Um, let me know what you are thinking. It would be great to have feedback. Next week, join me as I speak on lessons from um, this COVID season. That's what we're going to be speaking on, how, what lessons we've learned. Um, thank you so much. Bless you. Have a wonderful evening. Amen. Bye.